0: everybody my name is Eric Mercier I am co-owner of Juice Imports and today I'm gonna to walk you through the February edition of our wine club uh, as per your requests we've decided to uh, try and include as many guests as humanly possible on the show so today we have Aaron in the studio from ten foot uh, ten foot Henry uh, I'm sure you can do a better job of introducing yourself and let us know <laughs> what you do and why you do it I suppose
1: yeah yeah well Hey. thanks for having me back it's uh... This is, this is a lot of fun. Well, not four months ago. I guess it was like a year and a half ago, but as we said, time is somewhat irrelevant these days. Um, yeah, I, I work at 10-Fit Henry. I've been there since we opened. Uh, we're coming up on five years in a few weeks. Um, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit of everything, you know, changing light bulbs, fixing door handles. Um, but the things that I really get to do that I enjoy are, you know, curating the wine list and, and trying to get people maybe a little bit out of their comfort zones into some uh, some things that maybe they wouldn't have bought in a liquor store or ordered off a wine menu, um, which is where a lot of your wines come into play. I <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. We're, we're maybe known for that just a little bit. That's yeah. like kind of our vibe. Um, yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, well, I think you've tasted most of these wines before, uh, with the exception of the Lightning Rock, which is just available now am yeah I, am i right about that
1: yeah I, is this uh, 2019 then or
0: the rigor and whimsy
1: or the the vintage of the lightning rock
0: uh or is this a 18. new pinot for him? it's a new pinot okay yeah yeah it's a new one so uh yeah brand new vintage um different vineyard than you've had before okay uh and like also not from the smokiest record on, uh, smokiest year on record <laughs> so it's gonna taste entirely different which will be cool fun. Um, feel like this thing is not recording me at all, but we'll, again, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> we'll find out at the end. Uh, <laughs> all right, so we decided not to figure it out later and uh, <laughs> see, see if it worked right now. Uh, it seems to be working, sort of. Uh, so hopefully, you can all hear me. Um, so, yeah. I'll introduce some of the wines. Uh, One of the things that I've definitely noticed that I do that I absolutely hate when podcast hosts do is they talk more than their guests do. Uh, So I'm going to do my best to, uh, you know, grill Aaron as opposed to you just having to listen to me over and over again every month. Uh, So I'll briefly introduce the wine, but we'll just chat at, you know, sort of about the wines in general. Um, We do have that amazing newsletter that has all the details. So if there's anything that we actually miss in this, you can just look in there. Um, so yeah, this is Rigor and Whimsy. This is made by Costa and Jody, uh, an adorable couple in the Okanagan. Um, they're doing amazing work down in uh, Okanagan Falls. Their focus is uh, mostly on skin contact wines, so what we would call orange wines. Um, and this is made from Pinot Blanc and Viognier, two sort of disparate grape varieties, um, but that seem to come together really beautiful in, in this particular wine, which is called Hyperdrive. Um, you guys had this on your list during the um, the orange wine week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I still yeah. still have it on there uh, as a bottle option. Um, and yeah, pre pre pandemic, I don't know if that was March or February, like pretty close up to it. We had Costa in to do a little little tasting in uh, in Little Henry, mm-hmm. which was uh, which was pretty cool. But that was uh, that was with the previous vintage of this, the uh, Flex capacitor, which was a uh, very different wine.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think that uh, that this particular wine is maybe more universally appealing. Yeah. Um, I think this is a pretty friendly style of of skin contact, of orange wine. Um, very juicy, very fruit-driven. Um, still definitely has some savoriness to it, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, sort of an appealing style.
1: Totally. <clears throat> yeah, what I, what I really dig about this is, you know, Pinot Blanc and Viognier, I think, are... <clears throat> two uh two varietals that do really well in the Okanagan they, they mm-hmm. kind of have their you know a unique personality amongst the Okanagan wines um and especially Pinot Blanc you used to see you know I think it used to be the most planted white grape in the Okanagan yeah and that's sort of taken a turn for some wines that maybe shouldn't be in there mm-hmm. Savigny Blanc and, and such that that don't really have a personality but uh I'm, I'm always a big fan of uh, Pinot Blanc and I feel like there definitely should be more out there. Yeah. Uh, especially Okanagan, um, varietals. Um, but the, uh, the Viognier in this is, is really what, what's cool. It adds, I, I think <laughs> Viognier in, in the Okanagan, like it, it has a tendency to often be sort of a low acid mm-hmm. style of wine, but in the Okanagan there's always a lot of freshness. There's always a lot of acidity. Lightning rocks, Viognier is really yeah. fresh. <laughs> um, I think this is still like, you know, it's really bright, but you get that that really cool floral note, you know, this kind of lemon balm, that mm. kind of like tonic little tannin to it.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, Viognier for me, uh, when it's on its own in sort of like the classic region, which would be like Condrieu in France, um, it tends to get this really like oily kind of waxy mm. texture to it. Uh, it can often have this note that like really reminds me of sunscreen. Ooh. And uh, so it's always like sort of like this weird sort of tropical paradise kind of wine. Um, and I find that in the Okanagan, it it doesn't necessarily get to that crazy level of of ripeness. It's way more delicate, way more just like juicy, fruity kind of characteristics to it. Still definitely floral. I and mean, that lemon balm note on this is like pretty, pretty darn accurate. Um, but yeah, it's like maybe less... Uh, Less gregarious than you know the northern Rhone examples of the same grape variety, or like California. California Viognier is often like the most offensive thing of all time. <laughs> it's just like fat and like like it's almost undrinkable, yeah. <laughs> which is again just not not a style I really like. I usually like wines that are that are drinkable. Yeah. Um, this actually spends two months on skins, which, which is, is crazy. Yeah,
1: like that's that's a pretty extended amount of time to spend on skins.
0: Totally. Um, as far as I know, they're destemming this before they're uh, putting it on skin, so you're not getting a ton of you know, sort of those herbal elements that you'd get from from the actual stems of the grapes. Um, and I as far as I know, they're doing this like basically anaerobically, meaning that they're not exposing it to a ton of oxygen. And I think that really helps capture a lot more of the, again, fruit characteristics as opposed to the savory elements that you'd find in a lot of um, a lot of orange wines. Uh, so yeah, this style for me is again, like very, Very appealing.
1: Yeah, Um, Yeah, I I think it's you know uh, still very approachable for orange wine, but but it adds enough character to it. You know, Pinot Blanc, you get a little bit of that creaminess, a little bit of that texture. You You get those floral notes from Viognier. It's not you know crazy savory, as you were saying, which you know sometimes getting people into orange wine can be a little bit difficult when Mm -hmm. maybe they haven't experienced these, these flavors or aromas or or textures in wine before. Yeah. Um, And I think this kind of just, just skirts with it a little bit, you know, I think like, you know, you've definitely brought in some orange wines, like uh, the last vintage, um, which I carried of of Dormelona Orangi was like, Mm -hmm. that's like intro to orange wine. Yeah, for sure. That was just really easy drinking. You can get into this, no problem. And this is just kind of like, a little step up to that, going mm-hmm. into you know a little bit more character to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little more complexity for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, really fun style and like very approachable from a price perspective as well. Yeah, um, this in Alberta retails for just over thirty dollars, which I think is like a screaming deal for for orange wine, especially coming from the Okanagan. Any um, wine coming from the
1: Okanagan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's one of the most difficult things. Um, writing lists in, in Calgary and, and trying to promote Canadian wines, which, you know, uh, especially during these times, we really try to promote as much local as we can mm-hmm. um, and support our economy and support our own wine industry. But, you know, taxes on wine just coming over the border from B.C. is uh, absurd. Yeah. So these wines that come into Alberta cost far more than if you just went to the winery and bought it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'll, because we're so close, a lot of people are able to, mm-hmm. you know, make a trip to the Okanagan, maybe not these days, um, and, and pick up these bottles. But trying to list them in Calgary yeah. um, becomes difficult when they're so much more expensive just to be shipped, mm-hmm. you know, on a truck for a day. Yeah. As opposed <laughs> to, you know, wines that come from New Zealand that take six months.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: It's, uh, it, it's kind of ridiculous in that sense. And, and I know you guys have done a lot of work to uh, you know, help promote those, those wineries that you work with in the Okanagan and, mm-hmm. and, and keep those margins down so that they are attainable for people to work with, which, which is definitely appreciated. Totally. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's some really cool things happening in the Okanagan. Um, you know, e- Even just watching the, the evolution of this wine from Flux Capacitor, where you know, I think the Flux Capacitor was, was all co-ferment you know, several there's, yeah, different there's a varietals. lot of different grape varieties yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you know moving to this you know separating into to two grape varietals which you know I'm a big fan of in the Okanagan um, but fermenting them separately and blending <clears throat> it, it it shocks me yeah i I'd kind of forgotten that this spends two months on the skins because yeah it's it's insane yeah <laughs> you know like a day can can add a lot of uh, a lot of complexity and texture to, uh, For sure. to a white wine being on the skins and the fact that this is two months and still retains a lot of city, still a lot of freshness, yeah. um, doesn't come overtly savory, textural, mm-hmm. um, is is
0: really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the the things, just sort of like digressing to that price point, um, that people don't realize is that uh, like the AGLC, so like the Alberta Gaming and Liquor Commission, like our our overlords, mm-hmm. our government overlords, uh, they immediately take five dollars. Yeah, so. If you can think of any wine in in the Okanagan, uh, like the ADLC is immediately driving that wine up five extra dollars. And so then you take like the shipping price, which again, when you're shipping in bulk is is probably somewhere around a buck a bottle. Um, It's not drastic, but so it's like right there is $6 a bottle. We take our markup um, and on Okanagan wines, we have decided to only take like what we'd call like a brokerage markup. So um, it's, you know, instead of taking our full markup, which would be like you know twenty-five to thirty percent. We're just taking you know ten percent basically on all these wines, and that helps us drive down the price. But even then, you know, you're still talking about a couple bucks a bottle. Mm. And so for a winery that can sell one hundred percent of its wine out the cellar door, um, there's not a lot of of incentive for them to wholesale it for a price that's low enough to you know basically battle like eight extra dollars. Plus, like a retailer's markup, which is you know 1.5 times that wholesale yeah. price, so it's it's no wonder that these wines are so much more expensive, despite the fact that they're coming from you know only next door.
1: Yeah, well, um, and it, it's it's upsetting, you know. Like you can get, you know, great wines from from Europe for far far less, and yeah. that, that is you know definitely in part to the AGLC making it harder. To yeah. purchase wine from BC, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when there was, you know, issues with uh, our provincial governments about putting a pipeline through BC, and then you know our lovely premier decided to uh, stop importing BC wine for a moment there, just like children fighting. Um, but you know, it, it's upsetting in the sense that you know we have this wonderful you know wine industry that we could be supporting and could be building, you know, and and we have these. These people making wine that that is unique and developing character and showing terroir to what is Canada, but outside of being right next door to the winery, it's pretty unattainable.
0: Yeah, definitely. And not only that, but the fact that you know land there is costing a hundred thousand dollars an acre. Yeah, there's also that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all it's, these. It's things not are... the
1: cheapest place in the world to make wine, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Nobody's been sitting on these vineyards and had them in their family for hundreds of years. So
0: yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, really banging bottle, super stoked. Um, we, weirdly enough, so at the end of last month, we, we did sort of like a year-end survey to see what people thought of the wine club, how we could improve, um, things like that. And uh, maybe the most surprising thing was we included a thing where you could be like, um, you know, the wine club is good the way it is from a distribution of like red, white, orange bubbles, or you could say, Hey, I want more bubbles or Hey, I want more red or Hey, I want more white. Mm -hmm. Uh, shockingly, a huge amount of people said more orange wine, like way more than any other category. There was like three people that said more red wine, three (laughs) people that said more white wine. Uh, there was like, weirdly like 10 people who said more bubbles, uh, which I was like, yeah, like I wanna be friends with those people. Yeah. But well, then right. like a massive amount of people, like more than 50% of people who took the survey were like more yeah. orange wine. I'm like, Psh, sure. sure. It, it, it
1: honestly, <laughs> it, it doesn't surprise me in, in a sense. Um, you know, you guys have definitely been, been on the forefront of you know, trying to make natural wine available in Alberta um, and, and promoting natural wine and you know, a big part of that becomes orange wine um, and previously there, there are very few places that, that really offered it. Um, you know, very few restaurants that, that brought it in where, where it was actually an option. And, and I wrestled for a long time on bringing in an orange wine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started with doing some features and things like that. Now I have a full skin contact, uh, section. Um, and, and I try to Steer towards that nomenclature as opposed to, to orange wine because I, I think if you're not familiar with that term, mm-hmm. it, it can add a lot of confusion. You know, this, yeah, this it's wine is not particularly orange, it's not me. very orange. Maybe in the right <laughs> light, it's got a little tinge to it. Yeah, um, I've had people come in and ask me if it's made of oranges before. You know, I'm sure you've yeah. heard all of these things, but um, since putting them on, like I've I'm, I'm been shocked about how well they do. You know, yeah. I've had people come in. Um, because you know all of our menus are now online Um, just to have you know a glass or a carafe of a Sunday in August Pinot Gris because I have that by the glass yeah and they see that and they they want to come try it Mm -hmm. Um, and you know it it was it was always something I was a little wary about I wasn't sure if the general public was into this Um, and developing you know time and money into something that might not sell because, I mean, as you guys know, you know, you order a bunch of wine, it's just a liability to you. Yeah. Like, that's not money. Yet. That's just money you've spent. And unless you can move this somewhere and someone's actually interested in it, then, you know, you're SOL. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was definitely, you know, a little bit wary about putting them on. But, uh, you know, I, I think especially your... uh your, your kind of constituents, if you will, like the people, people following you and, and drinking your wine. This is, you know, a big thing that you've got them into, mm-hmm. which I think is super rad. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I love like orange wine, too, does uh, does some pretty crazy things with pairings. Yeah, You know, a lot of those cuisines when you're looking at like Asian cuisines, Korean, Southeast Asian, like mm-hmm. where normally, uh, you know, some would be like, yeah, just toss a Riesling with it. Yeah. Maybe some bubbles. It'll do fine. Like skin contact, Pinot Gris is all of a sudden like, wow, this is really cool with roasted lamb neck. Yeah. Had no idea.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We just, uh, we ordered in from, from you guys the other night. And, um, just while I was sitting here, I was like, oh man, this would be actually really good with, um, uh, that charred cabbage dish Mm -hmm. with like the walnut vinaigrette or whatever it is. Uh, like I was like, yeah, this would, that'd be a super fun pairing for that. Um, but yeah, like on, on, uh, like my write um, I was definitely saying like a lot of sort of like Asian and fire inspired food. Um, I recommended like a Thai, like steamed fish mm-hmm. as being like a really great pairing with that. Cause you usually steam it with, like ginger and cilantro, which I yep. think are just like really great compliments to this. Um, I said like a cold chicken dish, like the way that you have like the, um, like cold, like Cantonese poached chicken, yep. uh, like really delightful combo with this, I would say. Um trying to think of what other things I said on there. Oh, yeah, the uh, tuna crudo with uh, with capers, kind of the same yeah. way that you guys have your... Um, uh, yeah, so it's the tuna, tuna crudo. Yeah. yeah, yeah, elephant
1: tuna. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. I was like, that dish would obviously go super well with yeah. this, that like little hit of savory from the uh, from the fried capers. Yeah. And, yeah, I feel like that'd be...
1: Yeah, no, it, it really really opens some doors where, you know, typically you know, if, if you have gone and, and had a tasting menu somewhere perhaps you had a main course steak with a glass of cabernet and you know i'm sure it was great together but is it interesting is it really actually doing anything yeah um and i I think in in these you know sort of unconventional wines it's like you know using maybe sherry which is unconventional to us but not in a lot of places you know they, they add these kind of umami characteristics that you can get out of orange wine these savory notes that can really do cool things with uh cuisines that may have been a little bit harder to pair.
0: Mm -hmm, For sure. Cool. Well, we're going to move into our next wine here, Cuvée Clint, uh, which is a collaboration between a couple different winemakers. So This is uh, Craig Hawkins from Testalonga, which is in Swartland in South Africa, uh, collaborating with Mick Craven, uh, Mick and Janine Craven, who are in Stellenbosch in South Africa. So if you were to drive from Mick's place to, uh, to Craig's place, it's probably like a four hour drive through the middle of nowhere. Um, but yet they're sort of in, in adjacent uh, vineyard regions. And they decided to do a collaboration where they each made a barrel of pinotage and then blended the two together. So uh, 50% of this is, um, is pinotage from um, Stellenbosch and 50% from Swartland totally different regions climatically. Uh, the area of Stellenbosch that they're getting this from is a lot more coastal. Um, so you're getting a lot more influence from what we call the Humboldt Current. So that's basically like a current coming up from um, Antarctica that's quite cold, lots of cold water. Uh, and because they're coastal, that cold water chills the air, that air blows inland, and, and Stellenbosch ends up being a lot cooler than somewhere that's really inland, like, uh, like Swartland, which is kind of similar to spain in a lot of ways it's dry it's hot not a lot of uh precipitation um so you end up with these sort of two different growing conditions but they really wanted to do a, a sort of collabo of the historic uh south african grape variety pinotage um but yeah have you had this before
1: i have yeah i uh i, I don't know if this is an even, like i had a bottle of this Same vintage. during uh like lockdown 1.0 yeah yeah, um, which honestly was you know the first pinotage I've had in a in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a you know pretty storied history of, of pinotage. Um, you know it, it's it's had its acclaims and people have really liked it. It's kind of had its day. It's kind of fallen out of favor. Kind of been brought back up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean stylistically, there's you know still quite a range in, in how it's made yeah um, th- this I mean this is a really interesting wine because you know it is two winemakers making their wines completely different different regions and then just blending it all together yeah and bottling <laughs> it um, which is super cool um, you know I, I've had the fortune actually to uh, taste or at least chat with all of the winemakers here with the exception of Mick Craven, mm. um, which would have been this past year but yeah he was supposed <laughs> to come I know and then, yeah, yeah
0: surprise <laughs> COVID
1: takes another one but uh no tasting with with craig i guess a few years ago he was in town yeah um i was really really blown away by his wines like it's they're, they're, they're so precise yeah they're just like laser focused wines mm-hmm. um you know like talking about orange wines and his orange wines and you know he has a range of Chenin blanc which you know obviously does very well in south africa and you know in in my mind you know Kind of like what Pinot Blanc and Viognier can be in in Canada. Chenin Blanc is in in South Africa. it has its its own identity. You know, it's it's not Vouvray. It's not Anjou. Um, it's it's kind of its own thing. Um, but but tests Chenins are just you know incredibly bright, laser focused wines. And that's to me kind of its styles. They're just very very precise. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, you know would have been great to uh, to chat with Mick as well. But uh, it's cool to kind of see these, you know, wines from, from different regions put together. Um, but, you know, you, you can still kind of get, I think, what both winemakers are trying to make. Because I think Craven is, is along those lines as well. Yeah. You know, I've definitely drank more Longa than than Craven, mm-hmm. which I should probably start drinking some more of McCraven's wines. Um, but there's, there, there, there is that precision. I find it goes, you know, a little bit more towards that. You know, it, it's, it's definitely on the lighter, fresher side of Pinotage as opposed to that, you know, yeah. deep, oaked, smoky mm-hmm. style, like there, there still is this, this earthiness, this nice little kind of touch of a little smoke character, but it's totally. still like, kind of like that, that Beaujolais crunch, that, that yeah. freshness to it, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a super interesting wine, like it still got those crunchy red berries, it's still super fresh.
0: Yeah, I really like this style. Like this was a real surprise to me. So I, I believe I have this story right, but it, it basically goes that this wine was uh, historically exclusively um, exported to Japan, mm-hmm. um, and then basically what happened was uh, w- when I went out there, I tasted it. I really liked it. I told him I really liked it. I asked him if I could have some. He said yes. So they sold us you know X number of cases, and then covid hit and japan in particular like shut down like they were no longer importing any wine they're like no like our restaurants aren't open our shops aren't open you know everybody's staying at home you know they have less of a like drink at home culture there and more Mm -hmm. of a like let's go out and have a glass of wine kind of culture Mm -hmm. so they sell a ton of wine but it's like in restaurants and in bars and in these like shops where you can actually drink wine in the shop which just sounds lovely to me um, oh, and so, that's yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, uh, basically, what happened was they they um, all of a sudden had a lot more of this wine to sell. And so, Craig reached out to us and was like, "Hey, like, I know you really like this wine. Would you like more of it?" Um, and we're like, "Yes." Like, how much can we get? And he's like, "Well, you can have like basically fifty percent of our production." And I was like, uh, "Yeah, we'll take it." And so, I think over the course of this year, we've had, yeah, pretty close to fifty percent of their entire production. On which, this wine, which is
1: still pretty small, right? Like, like yeah, this uh, isn't this isn't a, a wine where you're seeing thousands of cases being made. No, like, no, they each made one 200. barrel. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it's like yeah, 167 cases. Yeah, um, and we got like 70 cases, yeah. like somewhere around there at least. And this so is um, this is
1: the first uh, first year you've brought this in, then? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Um,
0: but it was like an absolute nightmare getting it here the second time because uh, <laughs> South Africa was like under prohibition. They're actually under prohibition again right now. Their attempt at curbing uh, COVID is to actually make it illegal to sell alcohol locally because they're like, oh, if people can't drink, then they won't go to parties, then they won't go out to restaurants. And so basically, like, the wine industry has lost literally billions of dollars and oh, lost, man. like, tens of thousands of jobs. And, like, if you think about all those farming jobs, like, those are the people who are at, like, the most risk at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, people coming from from already challenged communities. Yeah. Uh, and they've just immediately, like, lost their, their jobs. That's, that's um, crazy. Yeah. I had
1: no idea that they were they're back into Prohibition, that's...
0: Oh yeah, it's like pretty wild. At least this time they're allowed exporting. Yeah. Um, but before, during the first lockdown, they weren't even allowed exporting. So this, yes. we like ordered it, and then it sat at the dock for like, I don't know, three months. Mark's yeah. here so I can ask him questions again. Uh, three months? Uh, yeah, right around there. Because yeah. it t- took six months to get here, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: it took, took six months to get here. Uh, but cost less than bringing a wine. yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah,
0: which is tragic but just to lay that on there again yeah exactly just to double down on it Um, yeah so it's yeah is it's very challenging for them right now they have this like huge call around the world to be like hey help us uh, you know if you drink our wines wherever you happen to be that gives the importer more incentive to buy more wine which then helps us out and make up for the fact that like a they used to sell a ton of wine via tourism Mm -hmm. um and then b like south africa has like a massively growing like middle class right now who are all very interested in supporting the wine industry um and so you know a lot of consumption was domestic Mm -hmm. and so without that that ends up being like obviously very stressful for for producers you know again across the country making all styles of wine not just natural wines and not just the small guys but also the big guys who are suffering yeah. as well who yeah. employ again a lot more people than the small guys frankly yeah. Um, so yeah it's a, it's a huge stress for them at the moment so we're glad that we were able to again help out how we can via purchasing some of this wine that people went crazy for I think we sold out of the first time that we got this in like a couple of weeks uh, so we're super stoked that we got it back again um, yeah, yeah.
1: that's rad i i I couldn't imagine going through uh lockdowns with prohibition totally Uh, i'll tell you that much like yeah this is what's been keeping me going yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's not a lot to do these days
0: yeah you're not the only one that's for sure (laughs) uh yeah (laughs) um yeah, it's been really funny talking to to some of them and they're like, Oh yeah, no, now there's like this whole like underground network of like black market wine sales. Uh and you're like, Yeah, well obviously totally. that's the case. Yeah. Like, cool, you've just you know, it's like the same thing that happened with like uh black like, chicken. Like, like like can like cannabis <laughs> yeah. in like, you know, across North America where it's like, Oh cool, you basically incentivized, you know, trafficking yeah. of like weed. Yeah. So it's, you know, they, they have the same thing right now. They're like, oh, cool. You want to make it, yeah. you want to make it illegal? Sweet. This yeah. opens up a lot of opportunities. <clears throat> for... I mean,
1: I mean, I, I think as humans, you know, we're, we're, we're not, uh, we, we don't take kindly to being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> Tell me definitely I can't not. do something and, and I will do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. And so as far as pairings for this, uh, I had some pretty hilarious ones. Uh, I, I said pastrami on rye, uh, like full Seinfeld style.
1: Totally.
0: Uh, I was like, yeah, cool, yeah. be super into that. Um, I said, that Montreal uh, smoked meat, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Montreal smoked meat. Uh, I said, like, go super east coast and do fried bologna sandwiches, which is yeah. like one of my favorite childhood foods.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, just like fried bologna on white bread with like ballpark mustard. Oh, like, yeah, oh, super into it. Um, I'm trying to think, yeah, what, what else honestly, like, there. as
1: soon as you said that, I'm like, I just want to be in Montreal, Schwartz's deli,
0: yeah, exactly, right. Just and this, and like a tumbler, like yeah. just like a proper, you know, little little rocks glass of this, and yeah, little, little Schwartzes. sounds great to me. Yeah, this is really fun. I haven't tasted this wine in a little while, like since the since the new shipment came in. Yeah, um, and it's really evolved in this like sort of interesting way where it's it's got a lot more complexity. When yeah. we first brought it in, it was like literally just juice, yeah. uh, <laughs> and now it's definitely got more of a savory element, more of a smoky element to yeah. it. Um, yeah i don't really
1: like the the last time i had this which is you know months and months ago um that that smoky quality didn't didn't really come through for me definitely not like yeah this this kind of earthiness that smokiness you know Mm -hmm. just adds a little bit more depth to it it's still you know uh, what some people hate as a wine descriptor but i will always love is
0: crushable yeah totally it is definitely crushable it's also only 12.5 percent alcohol so it's like You know, you can knock back one of these at lunch with your Schwartzes and, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of those
1: too. you know, like, uh, and and that's been a big thing, you know, I think of natural wine Mm -hmm. is, you know, we lower alcohol, generally speaking Mm -hmm. wines, which I mean, maybe, maybe at a, you know, different time in life when you're a bit younger, you're, you're just trying to get the most alcohol for your buck. But (laughs) right now I just want to be able to drink more of it.
0: For sure. Yeah, no, I'm I definitely in the same boat. And that was the other thing that was really weird about that survey was uh, exactly that. Like a couple people were like, oh, we really like the fact that you keep most of the wines under uh, 12.5% alcohol. Yeah. Like there's Rigor and Whimsy, I think is 10% alcohol, yeah. 10.5%. Yeah. Jeez, like, like that's not is, even drinking.
1: Is, yeah, this, that is low side of that. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's sweet Riesling level alcohol levels right there
0: exactly yeah Yeah, but without the without the sugar which is convenient yeah but uh how does uh, south african wine sell for you guys as a general statement
1: it's not the easiest i I mean i I haven't i've never done like a straight south african feature um definitely a little bit more difficult to to do those things i've run a few features since uh we were able to reopen for that period of time mm-hmm. before closing again. Um, but to me, like, those are the, the the best ways to really get people on board with drinking it is, is just featuring things and getting people into it. Um, when, when I look at writing the wine list, um, I mean, it, it's always a, a balance. You know, same thing when you're importing wines. Like, is this something that complements everything I'm bringing in? Or is it doing the exact same thing as something else? Totally. And if it is, then why is it on here? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I go to a restaurant and, you know, you get a book and here's your wine list and there's three dozen Chianti's. <laughs> I, I don't know why, why you would have that. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, but, you know, especially in getting people coming in is one thing and, and enjoying themselves is great. Getting them to enjoy something that maybe they wouldn't normally have comes to will your staff sell this? You know, are they on Mm -hmm. board with it? Um and and kind of doing it that way. The you know, I I have had, you know, some some natural wine features. We've done like a couple natural wine weeks where we've included like Testalonga on there um for South African. Um and as soon as you can get it in someone's glass, they're into it. Mm -hmm. But if you're letting people order blindly they're, they're always going to look for things that they're just familiar with. Yeah. Um, and it's tricky. It's, uh, you know, uh, the, the the last glass pour list I had, you know, I was like, let's just take off Sauvignon Blanc. Here's a Australian Muscat Greco Fiano blend. Yeah. This is what you want. This tastes like what you want, mm-hmm. but it's not that. <clears throat> Sold half as much as a Sauvignon Blanc would, Yeah, but people drinking it, enjoyed it as much as they would have said yeah and it's kind of that battle of like do I want to fight this right now mm-hmm. which is difficult because you know running a restaurant right now is uh, <laughs> next to impossible yeah um, but you know it, it was a kind of position I, I, I took after operating for a couple months it was you know do do I make everything really accessible which I did at first um, but I I think what You know, really drives people to to go out and enjoy themselves is being pushed out of their comfort zones. You know, being able to get some things that you know you wouldn't have had normally.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you can have a glass of Malbec at home. Yeah, that's fine. You have those bottles there. But when you come out, let's show you what you could be enjoying instead. Yeah. And since then, trying to take down that that kind of road, but still also, I do need to sell wine. Yeah. (laughs) I do need people drinking. Yeah. I only have half the seats max. Yeah, and we're trying to keep things afloat, so it's it's totally. definitely a, a give and take in that. Mm-hmm. Um, South Africa is, you know, uh, definitely one that I that I don't think a lot of people are immediately drawn to. Yeah, and like oh great, you got you got Chenin Blanc from South Africa, you got some Pinotage. Oh, well, you got this Cabernet from Napa, but you got this really great south african cabernet or this really great margaret river cabernet well i'll get that instead yeah it's it's kind of a push that you really have to decide to take Mm -hmm. um but i find you know anytime i do get those wines in someone's glass they're stoked on it
0: totally and i think that's like ultimately our job is to like give people wines that they like not Mm -hmm. wines that they ask for yeah and it's like that's always the the thing that i feel really strongly about is like You never really want to say no to somebody. Like saying no to anybody is like, it's just going to make them have a worse experience. So for me, when they're like, um, like, hey, I'm just looking for like, maybe like a Sauvignon Blanc. And you're like, oh, that's so awesome that you like Sauvignon Blanc. Like, I'll be right back. I have something like super awesome for you. And you come back and you're like, cool. uh, I grabbed you this like Verdello. And like, you didn't say, no, we don't have a Sauvignon Blanc. All you did was like, that's great. I understand what you like. I'm going to bring you something that tastes exactly like that. And then you pour them that like Verdello and they're like, wow i really like this this is all the flavors that i like in sauvignon blanc it's just made from a different grape and they're like great it's awesome it saved me a couple bucks a glass maybe even um supports a cool producer supports an unsung grape variety and you didn't have to disappoint anybody at no point in that experience were they like oh no they don't have something i'm gonna like like the whole time they're like Yes, they understand. They're taking care of me, and like that's what you're paying for at a restaurant is yeah. curation. Yeah. You know, you're not paying, you know, more than retail price just for the pleasure of sitting in a restaurant and not having to do your own dishes. No, you're not paying absolutely. for yeah. You're paying for curation. You're paying for like the thought and effort that it put into. You. They did the research for you. Yeah. They looked into hundreds thousands of wines yeah. in, in alberta and picked out the ones that they thought were really really good yeah so that's what you're paying for is, yeah. is not having to wade through
1: it's a it's it's a ridiculously awesome part of my job is you know when i want a new wine you know maybe it's i want i want a new glass pour or chardonnay or aligote or i can taste every one that's available yeah like i get that option it's mm-hmm. ridiculously amazing i say eric Bring me a Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah. But we get to do that. We get to curate these things. It's not like, oh, I put this on the list because it hit the price point and I think it's fine. It's, no, I tasted through 20 wines mm-hmm. and this is what I think you should be drinking. Totally. And, you know, what, what I always strive for is, you know, not being an order taker. Yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, that, that, that's just like me giving you an iPad at a table. Mm-hmm. Ring in your own food. It's fine. Yeah. There you go. When you're going out, like, you, you, I want to be led. I want to be taken care of. Yeah. You know, like, my favorite thing to do is just go out to a restaurant and be like, bring me food and drink. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't even want to look at a menu. Yeah. Just feed me and, and keep me hydrated.
0: Totally. I hate looking at menus. <sighs> from like a functional perspective. Like I don't like looking at menus when I need to figure out what I want to eat. Mm. I like looking at menus for like inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like, totally. I'll be like, hey, bring me whatever you want. And then like halfway through dinner, I'll like start looking at the menu, like just for fun, just to see yeah. what they have. Yeah. But it's like, it's I very rarely order off the menu uh, like I, I feel like really stressed when I'm like hungry and like trying to decide what to order. Oh, totally. and I'm like, I don't know what's good. I haven't had it. Yeah. Like you guys have. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you know, just just rather just leave take it right to other people. You know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it takes out that like indecisiveness too. That's yeah. the bane of every date's existence. Oh. Is totally. like, you know, like, should we have this? Well, I don't know. Like, yeah. can we get away with just like three dishes or should we grab a fourth? And yeah. you're just like having this like constant battle and you're like just somebody decide for yeah, us yeah. so we can just hang well, out. You know, I, I
1: think that's a big part of going out, you know, and, and, and I hope that's what, you know, a lot of people miss about going out, especially these days, is mm-hmm. that that's all taken away. You know, I remember uh, during the first lockdown, I, I moved in with my sister and her family, and like I just went uh, cooking full force. And about a month into it, I was like, I can't do this. Like I've been <laughs> making a different dinner every day. Yeah. Different breakfast. Like, I'd get up in the morning and start prepping for, like, 10 <laughs> hours to make dinner for, like, my sister and her kids. Yeah. It's like, this is an incredible amount of work. Like, I just want to go somewhere and I want someone to bring me delicious things.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's what I want.
1: Yeah. I mean, that that that's what I want to be able to provide. Totally. Uh, you know, I, I hope people understand that and, and want to dine that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you come in and you know exactly what you want, great, yep. you know, I'll make that happen for you as well.
0: Totally, yeah. So I'm definitely that way sometimes. Like if, if I know I'm going to a particular place and I'm and you like- you got a craving, Yeah, you know? you're like, I'm grabbing steak yeah. free tonight and it's, I don't care what you say. And yeah. like, you know, you can tell me the feature all you want and yeah. I'm not gonna, I don't want it. I want that one thing that I want. Yeah. Uh, it's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cool. Well, well, we'll get on to the last wine here. Uh, So this is Lightning Rock. Um, This is uh, also from the Okanagan. We decided to double up on Okanagan this month and and really support the locals. Again, like you were saying before, there's definitely a push right now to support as much sort of anything that's being produced locally as possible. And, you know, Okanagan wine is uh, definitely in that vein as well. Uh, You know, Lightning Rock, some of the best wines coming out of the Okanagan, if you talk to, to anybody who really knows Okanagan wines. Um, this is made by Jordan and Tyler, husband and wife team. Um, their real big focus is on bubbles, actually, uh, and I think we're actually finally going to get an allocation of bubbles this year. They always sell out so fast, um, but I think we'll actually get some of their traditional method bubbles, which again, I think are arguably the best in the Okanagan. Um, But one of the other things they're really proud of is is Pinot. Um, They focus mostly on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. They make Pinot Noir and Chardonnay from three different vineyards, all within like a five-minute drive of one another. So it's very much like terroir-driven. A couple months ago, we, or maybe more than a couple months ago, because last year doesn't really count, um, (laughs) we put in uh, their Chardonnay from the same vineyard, um, from the Canyon View Vineyard. And so we thought it'd be really fun to show you what the Pinot from that same vineyard is like. Uh, Again, we didn't get a ton of it. We got basically just enough for the wine club and then plus like five cases for people's shelves. Um, And this wine is wild. It is like so crazy textural and very like vivid, very saturated flavors. Like there's no extra room uh, for more flavor to fit into this wine, despite the fact that it's quite low alcohol um, and Pinot is tends to be light bodied but it's very very intensely flavored
1: yeah this is a uh, that's actually pretty surprising i've been you know smelling this wine taking in the aromas for a bit but uh on the palate it's it, it really comes out there's there's yeah. this very intense like kind of herbaceous savory note that mm-hmm. that that really opens up that's that's super cool <laughs> like uh, on the nose i feel like it's that you know, those, those crunchy red berries, It's you know, it's got this brightness, it's got this freshness, but on the palate, it, it kind of really changes to that, that that
0: deeper, kind of more savory aspect. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, Tyler has been like fooling around with like more and less whole cluster on this particular, yeah. like on, on the Pinot in general. I'm a huge fan of whole cluster Pinot Noir. Um, I think that like a little bit of carbonic is super valuable. Yeah. And so this is some. I, I think he makes like three fermenters of this. One is twenty five percent whole cluster. One is fifty percent, and one is seventy five percent. And then they blend them together at the end yeah. to get like a, you know, a range of aromas and flavors. Um, and and
1: kind of like semi carbonic maceration. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think they're doing like pretty gentle like pijage Yeah. Um, so you end up with like. This combination of different extraction levels yeah uh, I think this is like roughly 21 days on skins so it's actually quite a long time on skins so you are getting still
1: less than rigor and Whimsy's Pinot <laughs> Blanc Viognier though. yeah
0: exactly the longest by, time on skins
1: five weeks there
0: yeah exactly I think Clint spends like seven days on skins so uh, you know this just, is definitely... just, just
1: to put that into context for that yeah that orange wine we started with it's a pretty yeah crazy two amount months of time.
0: is just crazy um, but yeah, this is one of the most beautiful vineyards I've ever seen. It is so precise. Uh, again, I've never seen farming on like this sort of like micro level where like basically every leaf looks like it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> apparently the guy who farms this vineyard for them is just like the ultimate stickler for uh, you know, just being like absolutely perfect. Yeah. Um, and I think it shows through in the wine, especially in the bubbles. Um, and especially in that Chardonnay, the Pinot is like a little more rustic right now. It's a mm-hmm. little more like wild. Um, which, again, I I really dig. They actually have a vineyard that's the oldest Pinot Noir vines in the entire Okanagan, and they're basically, like, abandoned for a period of time. Uh, It's called St. Cat's Vineyard. Is is this um, the one they're
1: kind of trying to
0: revitalize a little bit? Totally. But basically, like, the bears eat all the fruit every year, from what I've heard. (laughs) Uh, So it ends up being just, like, a really expensive passion project where they make, like, a couple bottles of Petnat each year or something like that. Yeah. Um, So this... This for me is like what I thought that that vineyard would taste like, a little more like wild, a little more like ferile, like, you know, um, but yeah, I dig it. It's, it's super fun. Um, yeah, for, for tasting, uh, for, for pairing on this, um, my, my friend Ben from Restaurant Yarrow, yeah. uh, last week he did like a hot chicken sandwich. And oh, I'm yeah. like, ooh, this with a hot is, chicken uh, sandwich? I'm super into it. It's
1: like, this is not Yarrow. Yeah. Post. Man, I'm like, oh, I wish I was in Edmonton to get these I sandwiches. Know. I want every single one of
0: them. Totally. It's absolutely killing me yeah. right now. Those, uh, yeah, his sandwich lineup is just so outrageous. Yeah. That, that Luger burger. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's like medium rare, like yeah. so thick. It's yeah. like wild Proper horseradish burger. aioli and stuff. Yeah. Like, deadly. Yeah, no, I,
1: I, you know, I, honestly, I think this this wine has a, you know, a pretty broad uh, spectrum of, of pairing abilities. Yeah, you know, back to you know, steak and Cabernet being, you know, what people think it's, you know, these these massive wines need, you know, meat. They need big flavors, but those big flavors don't need a massive wine. Mm, totally. You know, I, I, I think that kind of that wildness as you're saying, that kind of rustic level, that, that savoriness of this wine would do really well mm-hmm. with heavier foods. Yeah. You know, it still has a bit of that brightness, but that freshness, a bit of that acidity that can cut through those things where yeah. know, something like you may have a little bit more difficult with Bordeaux or, you know, Sonoma Cat. Um, but you can go to those, yeah, chicken. Hot chicken sandwich, like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Because I, I still think we're looking, like, you know, fairly low alcohol on this.
0: Yeah, this is, like, twelve three? 3 12, 12, eight. 12 eight. There you go. My guess was, like, pretty close. <laughs> hey,
1: man, New World Pinot, you know, 14. Yeah, exactly. That's what they call it.
0: Yeah, for sure. 15. Yeah, like Costa Brown or whatever, like, like 15.5% alcohol Pinots yeah. from Sonoma. And you're, like... Yeah. Oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: get some Bella Gloss Miome in there with a oh, God. bunch of Syrah It's 15.5%.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Love love that stuff. <laughs> really into it. <laughs> Basically just tastes like a big bottle of like lip gloss. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, why do you like drinking yeah, this? Yeah, for like $60 yeah exactly it, it, it is not cheap. And cheap I know that's that's crazy. Like <laughs> yeah that's always what's infuriating about some of those yeah. wines well it's you know like we always use like Camus Special Select as yeah. like the prime example where you're like uh, just because something's over a hundred dollars a bottle it doesn't Does mean that it's mean small anything. production no. doesn't mean that any more effort went mm. into farming no. or like any of those things you're like no we literally just made a wine that was more expensive yeah. like you know
1: well, and, and when you see those wines that are, you know, produced in such a massive amount, you know, these, these aren't, you know, grower wines. Yeah. These are multiple farms just selling off oh, their yeah. grapes. For sure. <clears throat> you know, it's, 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 it's not that, that kind of passion, that, that, that level you can get with small production wines where, you know, when, when you look at champagne, for example, and it's like, what, less than 5% of champagne is actually grower champagne.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Like, 95% of that is just buying grapes. Yeah. Same with cognac. You, know, yeah. you don't grow your grapes to make cognac. No.
0: Yeah, there's, like, I can't remember <laughs> what the actual number is, but I think there's, like, two producers in cognac that grow yeah. their own grapes. Yeah. <laughs> like You're, like, you're like really? That's yeah. it? Yeah. I well, actually really wanted to bring one of them in, like, forever ago. They're <laughs> really, really tasty. Uh, but... I don't know if I want to get into the cognac market. That's, it's hard, man. So we, we don't have the same amount cognac. of money yeah. that like, cavassier has, or no. like, you know, we just <laughs> well,
1: is, yeah cognac and the, and the champagne houses they they have the the money behind them. Yeah, it's 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 tough to compete with that.
0: Yeah, well, um, even with our champagne producer, I was like. Um, I was like, oh, I actually think they're like a little bit bigger than I think they are. Like, I think they might be producing like maybe like 10,000 cases a year. No, 3,000 cases a year. I'm like, oh, Total they really production. are just like so tiny. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, that's just hilarious. Versus like Dom Perignon, my understanding is that they make over 10,000 cases a year of Dom Perignon, uh, and you're selling it for $300 a bottle. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's that's real money on like a scale that I just, I don't quite understand. Yeah.
1: Well, and you're just, you're just producing a style at that point. Yeah. You know, like, Veuve Clico Yellow Label tastes like Veuve Clico Yellow Label. Yep. Every single year. There's, there's nothing interesting about that. Whereas, you know, when you look at these wines, you're going to see vintage variation. You're going to see stylistic variation. You're going to see, you know, a winemaker like Costa Decide. Instead of co-fermenting, I'm going to ferment separately and then blend. Or, you know, Tyler, I'm going to play around with you know, different levels of stemming, inclu- like inclusion yeah. or, you know, semi-carbonic maceration. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually get to taste these, you know, these differences between them. And when you're drinking these wines year over year, I think that's what actually makes it interesting.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like if, if I wanted, you know, something to taste the same every time, then. They've been making Coke taste the same for like, <laughs> decades so I know. I mean there's, just there's a market for, for it I <laughs> yeah, get it <laughs> for sure yeah cool well I think we'll call it there uh, thank you so much for taking the time absolutely uh, thank you you know obviously we really appreciate it and it, it adds incredible amounts of value to our, our wine club and uh, you know we're glad that we could share a glass with you. It's been a long time.
1: Oh, it's been uh, so long. For, for those of you who, uh,
0: who can't see us right now, which is everybody except for Mark Gouillard, uh, we, we rent out basically like a, a conference room at our office uh, that has like this really long table. And uh, we sit, you know, at opposite ends of the table, like we imagine rich people do when they're having dinners uh, <laughs> in their like mansions where there's like, you know, 17 con- candelabras between the two of them. And they, you know, they need a butler to pass the salt. Uh, Basically, so I'm
1: just getting like stared down right now from like ten feet away. So
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this is uh, this is our our methodology now, and so it's uh, it's the closest we've come to actually hanging out in like I don't even know how long now, six months or something like that. It's been a while. So it's uh, it was lovely having you here. Lovely catching up. And thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, uh, if you get a chance, definitely order from their restaurant. Uh, it's Ten Foot Henry. Um, lots of really great vegetarian options. Lots of great. Uh, Options do deal with uh, you know different dietary concerns? Um, they obviously have an amazing wine list that they're selling off for a price that is obscene. Uh, I may have seen a bottle of Rose de Jean uh, there the other day. That is a price that is uh, you know that people on the international market would. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Mark's <laughs> Mark's getting very angry that I've told told anybody about it. Um, but yeah, Might definitely... not be that price
1: for long, so, you know, buy some of it up. I don't even think it's hitting the shelves in Calgary this year, so.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think Mark buys 100% of the Alberta allocation. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, definitely go support them. If you have any questions for us, send us an email. Uh, my email address is erik, E-R-I-K, at juiceimports.com. Um, follow us on Instagram. Send us messages. Uh, you know, harass us any way you, you deem fit. Um Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll chat with you uh, next month.